This is the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. SARS is putting the heat on crypto exchanges to flush out information about their clients. At this stage, it looks like SARS is interested in the bigger fish, but the day may not be far off when it wants a fuller accounting of who owns crypto in South Africa. The days of diving into cryptos as a way to hide from the prying eyes of regulators and tax authorities are coming to an end, or so it seems. One crypto company operating in South Africa is Stratum which says it will not be handing over any customer information to SARS or anyone else for that matter, in part because it does not really want to know your name. All you need to be a customer is an email address. Stratum's head office is in Hong Kong and says if it gets too much heat from regulators, it will become an internet-only crypto company floating around in a jurisdictional no-man's land. There was a vain hope at the birth of Bitcoin that cryptos might offer an escape from regulatory scrutiny, but that is clearly not the case. So what are the obligations of crypto exchanges when approached by the taxman for customer information? Are they obliged to provide information or should they put up a fight? Joining us to explore this is Thomas Loban head of legal at Tax Consulting South Africa. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you, Kieran. Good to be here. Are crypto exchanges obliged to hand over information about their customers to South African revenue services, or should they put up a fight? Well, that's a very interesting question to ask. The Tax Administration Act in South Africa does confer a power upon SARS to request this information from a taxpayer or third-party providers where necessary to obtain that information for tax collection and revenue administration purposes. However, whether this request falls within the confines of that provision within the Tax Administration Act remains to be seen. Really, we'd need to see more detail around what occasioned the request, who the relevant taxpayers are, and the purpose for which the information is sought from those taxpayers, among other things, to really make a determination on that fact. Do you see a day coming when the crypto exchanges are approached by South African Revenue Services for information about customers and it's a little bit uncertain whether they're entitled to that and the exchanges actually put up a fight or the taxpayer themselves put up a fight against SARS. At taxpayer level, I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see that happening. In fact, my view is that that's almost inevitable at some point. At a platform level, uh, again, it really depends. Again, I wouldn't be surprised, but it would certainly be a more newsworthy item and I would definitely want to see what the basis for that non-compliance is. Were you surprised that the crypto exchanges supplied the information that they were requested to provide? At the end of the day, you operate within a country, you're subject to its tax laws. And, you know, the platforms that did give that information over, either they're following the path of least resistance or they're following sound legal advice. At the end of the day, it's always best to play ball with SARS, especially if you know that you're compliant, you want to remain compliant, and you believe that the request is legitimate. Cryptosphere is becoming more complex by the day. It's not just a case of buying Bitcoin and holding on to it, right? There's a smorgasbord of different transactions that create tax events like borrowing, lending, staking, airdrops. Maybe just explain what are some of these 
tax events that are created in the crypto world. And what are the tax implications? Cryptocurrency can be a little bit frustrating for some advisors and certainly regulators with how fast it moves forward and evolves. Aside from what we would call your more vanilla transactions around exchanging for other cryptocurrencies or a stable coin or selling it for fiat, legal tender money, you might see, as you said, staking where a taxpayer or an investor puts a certain amount in a validating wallet in order to enable the cryptocurrency system itself to operate. And in return for that, they get rewards in the form of derivative reward tokens, almost in the same way that a miner would for mining cryptocurrency. In that case, you would see those reward tokens that the investor receives being revenue in nature, which means that they would be subject to that taxpayer's normal bracket rates up to 45%. On the other hand, for the cryptocurrency that was staked, there may be room to argue that that was, for example, capital in nature, subject to a maximum effective tax rate of 18%, because that is an asset that's utilized, that's used by that investor to make derivative income from it in the form of those reward tokens. Otherwise, you see almost traditional style investment where you put an amount into an amount of cryptocurrency into a wallet and you simply earn a reward from that. Straightforward, the same principle of revenue amount being received or you have an unconditional entitlement to it, raising the tax. Further than that, you might see airdrops. Airdrops are an interesting and perhaps contentious aspect of cryptocurrency investment where simply by virtue of your holdings, you receive further cryptocurrency almost for no quid pro quo per se. And these are just very, very restricted forms of investment. Uh, Another one that's come to the fore quite recently is crypto loan. A crypto loan is where you either are the debtor, in which case you are perhaps collateralizing, you're securing your own cryptocurrency in a wallet, and you're receiving cryptocurrency to utilize for your own purposes afterwards, that you have to repay with interest, also in the form of cryptocurrency, or vice versa, where you are the lender who's lending somebody else cryptocurrency, and they owe you interest off the back of that, also in the form of cryptocurrency. Now, When we talk about a crypto loan in particular, the question is, when does that crypto interest accrue? Again, when do you become unconditionally entitled to that interest amount being paid to you? When is it due and owing? Or when is nothing else needing to be satisfied in order for that to be due and owing? Uh, In that case, that is when the taxable event occurs. And that is when you must tally whether you owe tax or not based on the amount in question. All right. So, I mean, if we take staking, I mean, there are a few terms here that we've bumped into that uh, probably, as you say, are a little bit frustrating for people not familiar with cryptos. But staking is where you're basically putting your crypto to use in the network, in the blockchain, and you get rewards for that in, in the form of if, if it's Bitcoin, you're getting, you're getting additional Bitcoin back. And it's a way that you can earn passive income. Now, the way that staking works in practice is it, it happens in real time. So you are earning those rewards. You can click onto your account, uh, into your wallet and see, oh my goodness, you know, in the last hour, I've earned, uh, you know, so many uh, little fractions of a Bitcoin. So it's accruing 
in real time. It's not at the end of the day or the end of the month. It's happening in real time. How is the taxman going to handle something like that? Well, what are the transactional records? You know, what is the balance at the end of the year? What have you actually accrued in total by the end of that year? And what is the money value that you ascribe to that? So it really is a case of adding it all up towards the end of the tax year and seeing what your balance is at the close. And that really is what SARS would look at from an audit perspective. Okay, and then airdrops, which is basically when, you know, if you happen to own a particular crypto and they're having some special launch or for whatever reason they decide they're going to give you more. Or it could be a new token, it could be more of the same token. We love airdrops. Airdrops are great. It's, it's free money, basically. Right, and I guess the, that's a fairly simple one because the, the moment at which you receive that airdrop, that additional crypto, that would become a tax event at that point. Well, actually, and this is why airdrops can be a little bit of a contentious item, I would ask, what is the quid pro quo in respect of those airdrops? Are you simply receiving uh, this airdrop by virtue of holding cryptocurrency? Well, is that revenue in nature because you've now received an amount in respect of cryptocurrency you've already held, or is that simply a further acquisition of cryptocurrency, which is certainly the approach that most taxpayers would want to uh, back mm. rather than the higher taxed alternative. That's something that I would say needs to have the simple answer, the perfectly legal answer, it depends, as do all things in tax and law. All right, you recently wrote an article in MoneyWeb suggesting that we should not be too surprised that SARS is expressing greater interest in cryptos and people who own them. After the 2020 tax filing season, a number of taxpayers you wrote were asked to disclose if they had cryptos. Is there a suspicion at SARS that cryptos are being used to hide taxable profits? Well, Kieran, almost certainly. You look at stories from not too long ago, such as Silk Road, for example, cryptocurrency was really seen as a, a sanctuary from regulation and oversight. And for that reason alone, it would have been used quite extensively in money laundering and black market uh, operations, sales and consideration given. Uh, Many people still see cryptocurrency as an avenue to escape regulation when they want to uh, transfer money from one place to the other, for example, capital flight or bringing capital into the country. And it's not to say that that itself is wrongful, but it is to say that that is the perception that's held at large by the market. And of course, SARS would see it the same way. Right. I mean, and of course, there are coins which are designed specifically to avoid any kind of detection. So Monero and, and Zcash would be examples of, exactly. of, of that type of thing. But as soon as you try to sell on an exchange, of course, those invisible cryptos become visible again. So um, and, and this is the point, no doubt, that SARS and other tax authorities around the world are trying to jump on is basically at what point are these invisible crypto coins? Can we grab a hold of them? That's also a very good point. At the end of the day, what will happen from SARS perspective is it'll start with the taxpayer. You'll be asked to disclose your cryptocurrency investment 
activities, whether it's simply holding or whether taxable disposals have happened in the tax year. Now, when SARS approaches an exchange, at least in our view, a tax consulting is this will be off the back of a taxpayer disclosure made to verify whether the information given by the taxpayer matches that from the exchange. Uh, transactions happening outside of a platform, uh, those are problematic still. But at the end of the day, to use the term once again, SARS has been allocated 3 billion rand of additional revenue this year alone, which for, among other things, is allocated towards improving their technological and information gathering infrastructure. There are some very clever people at SARS, and they're very clever at collecting tax, especially when it's owed. And I would not put it past SARS to find a mechanism to capture these transactions eventually, or at least to catch taxpayers out. If you're suspected of having transacted cryptocurrency in cryptocurrency and you cannot uh, or you do not disclose that to SARS, they cannot necessarily see it in your exchange. Should they have enough cause, they might even be able to drive you towards a lifestyle audit, in which case they assess how you are able to live the life you are living. And if there are unanswered questions in that regard, the temperature rises very quickly. So one mistake that should not be made is thinking that SARS has a single avenue or two to approach taxpayers or collect undisclosed revenue. Uh, really, as long as they operate within the confines of the law, all doors are open to them. Okay. In your opinion, will SARS be asking crypto exchanges for information about more customers, not just the big fish, but the smaller ones as well? Remember, we're talking about millions of South Africans have got crypto accounts at one of the, the big exchanges in this country. Is this the road we're going down that they're just going to be looking for all information about cryptos on everybody? Until such time as we find or regulation falls in that gap, yes. You know, it will definitely start with the bigger fish. Uh, in our view, SARS will be looking to make an example. To date, they haven't convicted and or jailed a single cryptocurrency investor. And so you find that the perception in the market is that you are safe from this until further notice, which actually isn't true. From a strict compliance perspective, SARS is fully empowered to go after what you would call a whale, as well as a regular trader or investor and where there is revenue to be collected we can expect that they'll be taking action in that regard definitely at least to match your disclosures if it's a significant enough amount whatever that amount might be SARS will do the investigation it needs to. You mentioned that SARS has three billion available to it in the latest budget basically to beef up its its tax gathering capability. How big do you think cryptos is on the radar for SARS? Well, the commissioner of SARS has mentioned cryptocurrency a couple times very directly, and there have been statements to this effect. SARS should see cryptocurrency as an additional area for revenue collection in as much the same way as personal income tax in South Africa is a huge area for revenue collection. Cryptocurrency is a very big subset of that. I think it's, it is quite recent, but it is quite mind-blowing how the news of how big cryptocurrency has become in South Africa. And it's very accessible. You, you might easily see a mechanic or an engineer trading in it. And 
frankly, the intelligent move from a SARS perspective is to make sure that they have it covered in full. I think the, the studies have shown that the rate of adoption in South Africa, the rate of crypto adoption in South Africa is very high by global standards. And it probably did double over, at least doubled over the last bull market. People started getting into it, which is also always a worry. You know that that's kind of the, the end of a bull market when everybody from the shoe shiner to the, um, the gardener is getting into cryptos. However, it, so it has become a way for people that they, they see that they can make money from it. And I guess SARS is, is concerned that it's not getting its, its fair shake. So it's really putting a lot of attention and a lot of resources into this area. We can assume that, right? Absolutely. Now, one thing that we've seen from the market is a call to give more guidance on how this should be taxed. Because you have such a diverse use case for cryptocurrency and therefore so many different individuals or types of individuals who transact and invest in cryptocurrency, you'll see a lot of people who leap before they look and who end up with a tax bill at the end of the day that they weren't expecting. And that can be quite a problem for a taxpayer, especially if they do have the capital for it, but it's tied up in that cryptocurrency and foreseeably they might have to have a separate taxable event disposing it just to realize enough liquid cash to pay off the tax debt. SARS will be focusing on this and they have put effort in already. For example, you have source codes that are provided in the annual income tax returns that are filed on e-filing already. There's already specific mention of cryptocurrency and capital gains tax disclosures in your tax returns. Now, SARS is not necessarily an institution that'll dip its toe in and not dive if the temperature is right. And that initial phase is what's happening now. Where we see SARS dive in, what happens after that point, that is something that'll be very interesting to see. You're a tax consultant, or you, you work at Tax Consulting South Africa, and I think people will be saying, you know, do I need a tax consultant? Is it that serious? What's your answer to them? I'm talking about the average person now. I'm not talking about the big guy. No, absolutely. At a bare minimum, you need a guide. You need an advisor to hold your hand. And cryptocurrency is complicated, and tax is itself very complex. Now... I think I mentioned earlier that the, the perfect answer to a broad question from a legal perspective is generally it depends. It depends. So that crystallization cannot necessarily happen at a lay person. Isn't that level. what the economists say, by the way? It depends? Every time. Okay. Every time. I think the question, though, is what is the cost of, I think a lot of people want, yes, okay, you know, tax consultant, great idea. How much is it going to cost me if, I, if I'm a small guy, you know, and uh, I own uh, one-tenth of a Bitcoin? Well, if you're not somebody who regards themselves as a high-volume day trader and you simply just need your tax sorted from a cryptocurrency perspective, that could cost you a few hundred rand, really, on an annual basis. There's your consolidated evidence. There is your explanation. There's the computation. That's everything you need to provide to SARS. Just make sure it's reflected in your returns. All the way down to filing, you might need a legal opinion in certain cases. If you've been historically non-compliant with your tax disclosures, you should have paid the tax, you didn't. Uh, you might need to undergo a voluntary disclosure program application with SARS to make sure that there is no criminal sanction off the back of your 
regularizing your affairs. So while every situation differs, really it's something that could go from a few hundred to a few thousand, depending on who you are and how you've transacted and what your requirements really are from a tax perspective. A competent advisor is not going to patch it all up with scotch tape and band-aids and hope it passes SARS muster. What you really need is a robust case behind you, whether it's a simple one, three transactions for the year, very little taxable profit to speak of, or you're somebody who's made millions. You are someone who, at least from a compliance perspective, will be treated equally before the law. Okay. What does that mean? We assume that. Uh, (laughs) Why should you bring that up? Well, non-compliance is non-compliance. And at least as from January, our legislation was amended. Uh, Well, with effect from January, our legislation was amended. Previously, non-compliance, there are certain provisions in our tax laws that uh, should you have done them, committed these offenses willfully and without just cause, it would result in either a fine or imprisonment of two years or up to five years, depending on the offense. Now, as from January, these offenses are convictable where you have committed them intentionally or negligently. And the the measure of negligence is with reference to the reasonable person. And the question is asked, would the reasonable person have thought to make these disclosures to SARS? Would a reasonable person have included this uh, in their returns and paid the tax? And if you fall short of that mark, then you have opened yourself up to criminal liability. All right. Final question. Would it be safe to assume SARS knows all about your crypto transactions going forward from this point and that it would be better to come clean and tell all? Absolutely. In every single case, the best way to proceed is as if SARS already knows everything, because in many cases, if they don't already know, they will know. If there's tax to be declared or amounts to be declared for tax purposes, SARS does not have a statute of limitations on how far back they can go to find that out and collect. So unless you're somebody who's very comfortable looking over their shoulder for the rest of their days, please do come clean. We're going to leave it there. That was Thomas Loban, head of Legal at Tax Consulting South Africa. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Karen. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.